I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. This is Play Me, your digital theater. We transform the hottest contemporary plays into bingeable audio dramas. I'm Laura Mullen. And I'm Chris Tolley. Hi, and welcome to Play Me and the conclusion of This Is How We Got Here by Keith Barker. In parts one and two, we meet Lucille and Paul, Lucille's sister Lizette and her husband Jim. They are all struggling leading up to the anniversary of the suicide of Craig, Lucille and Paul's son. Lucille is estranged from Paul and is living with her sister and husband. We move back and forth in time and see the splintering of relationships within the family. Paul and his best friend and brother-in-law Jim no longer talk. Lisette and Jim are fighting. Lucille blames Paul for being too hard on Craig, and Paul accuses Lucille of being too soft on him. Lucille sees a fox in the garden and tells Lisette she thinks it's her son Craig. This is the conclusion to This Is How We Got Here by Keith Barker. A warning, this play deals with the subject of suicide and may not be suitable for all audiences. Hey, man. Hey. You want to come in? No, I, I just need a sec. Uh, sure. Uh, you want a beer? No, I, I promised Lou I'd be back soon. Okay. I gotta say this. Why you and not me? I'm sorry? Why didn't he call me? Oh, jeez, Paul. I don't know. I'm his dad. I'm the one he should have called. Like I said, was he, was he upset with me? I don't think so. Did he mention anything? No, he just called and asked me to go fishing. That's it? Yeah, that's it. You wouldn't lie to me, would you? No. Why would I do that? I don't know. Maybe he said something you didn't want to tell me. Hey, man, nothing like that happened. You promise? I promise. How's the Chevy? What does that have to do with anything? Uh, Dale mentioned the clutch was sticking again. Yeah, it it was, but it's fine now. Well, if the clutch is sticking, it might be part of a bigger problem. It's not. (laughs) How would you know? Because I fixed it. You fixed it? Yeah was easy. No, it's not. Well, it's not that hard. (laughs) Says the guy who can't even fix a friggin' toaster. I can fix a friggin' toaster, thank you very much. Oh, yeah? Then how'd you fix it? I did the... Hmm? Anyways, it works fine now. Really? Did you replace the clutch pin? 
Because the pin needs to be reattached to the engine valve in order for the carburetor to work. Yeah. Well, something like that. Why are you lying to me? Mm. I'm not. There's no such thing as a clutch pin. <laughs> well, I, I did something that worked. Yeah, how'd you fix it? Is it really that hard for you to believe that I fixed something? Yes, yes it is. Thanks, friend, you are. Look, I've fixed your vehicles for over 20 years now, and there's a reason for it. Paul. No, look at me. If you're going to lie, I want you to look at me in the eyes when you do it. How did you fix the clutch? I... Uh, huh? I didn't. I took it to Edwards. You took it to Edwards' garage? Yeah. You've been my best friend my whole life, and you took it to him? He, he was at the bar one night, and we got to talking. He he told me to bring it in, so I did. You always bring it to me. But it was a one-time thing. What aren't you telling me? Nothing. You're lying. You can't even look at me in the eyes. Hey, hey, back off, man. Huh? Or what? I'm serious. Take a step back. Well, maybe I don't want to. Hmm? <laughs> don't. I'm serious. You think you're better than me. Uh, you need to calm down. Yeah, what if I don't want to calm down? Let me go. Not until you settle down. Here. Don't be stubborn. I don't need your pity. It's not pity. I thought you were my friend. I am. No, you're a liar. alone for god's sakes you're not helping this is not helping it's not helping her and it's definitely not helping me oh you are a piece of work i tell you go on get out of here i said get out of here oh you were so lucky i can't get my hands on you right now because if i could i would grab you and i would shake 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 until there's nothing left of you and just because I'm yelling at you doesn't mean I think you are who she says you are, because you're not. Yeah, 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 you tilt your head, you smug little. What do you want from me? Tell me, I'll do it, I will. Because there's nothing left. You've taken it all away, and now it feels like... Like I loved you too much because it hurts all the time. My chest literally hurts when I breathe because I miss you so much. And it doesn't go away and it never will and I know it won't and I can't do anything about it and it just makes me so mad. I am so mad at you and I have never been mad at you in my whole life ever. And I can't. I can't do this anymore. Well, don't just stand there. Say something, would you? <laughs> yeah. I didn't think so. You're nothing but a fox. 
a stupid little fox. And I don't want you hanging around here anymore. Liz? Out of my way. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hun, look at me. You, you don't want to do this. Put the gun down. No, I'm sorry. I have to do this. No, you don't. Listen to me. Put the gun down. I can't have him around here anymore. I'm sorry. That's right. Run away. And take this with you. No, Liz. Oh, no. What's wrong? Uh, nothing. Everything's fine. What happened? Uh, it's the egg. Um, there was an accident. What do you mean? It was me. I broke it. Why the gunshot? Oh, uh... Liz, oh. why do you have the gun? I was just trying to scare him away. You didn't. No, no nothing happened. The, the, the gun went off in the air. Where are you going? I need to make sure he's okay. We'll come with you. No, you won't. You've done enough already. Babe. I've really done it this time, haven't I? No. Well, maybe a bit. It'll be fine. It will... She just needs some time to cool off. Maybe we should follow her to make sure she's all right. No. We should give her some space. I didn't mean it. I know you didn't. Come here. It'll be okay. We'll be right back. I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. You understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello. Uh, most of you know me. For, for those of you who don't, my name is Paul. Uh, I've been coming to this family support group for uh, almost a year now. Uh, I usually don't say much at these things. Uh, I'm not good at this stuff, but tomorrow marks the one-year anniversary of my son's death, so I thought it might be good to say something. I have a hard time talking about him. His name's Craig. He was a sweet kid. Gentle. He's really gentle. Like I could never get him to lay a body check in hockey because he just didn't want to hurt anybody. That was him in a nutshell. I never know what to say when people ask me why he did what he did. I mean, nothing fits. So my buddy Riel, uh, he worked for the ministry fighting forest fires and the year before he retired the government introduced this program where university students were brought in to help out. Riel was one of the senior guys so he was put in charge of one of the crews. Now these kids had only been on the job for a couple of weeks. Enough time for some basic training but that's about it. None of them had any real experience working on a forest fire. But it was a, it was a really dry summer that year and Within days, Riel and his crew, they find themselves helping out on the front lines. 
they were called in the setup was called a fire line. You know, they spent all morning digging it up, and by midday they had worked themselves into a small valley. The thing is, they didn't know the wind to change direction, and it picked up pretty quick. And before they knew it, the fire was was on top of them. The real knew they were in trouble. See, he also knew that they couldn't outrun the fire. So he told the crew that they would have to turn and walk directly through the flames if they wanted to survive. And some of the kids refused. Well, they were scared. They thought it was a better idea to try and run away from him. Well, Riel pleaded with them, begged them to follow his instructions, trust his experience. But they wouldn't listen. And before he knew it, they were running away. He didn't have time to chase after him, so he had to save the ones he could. He turned, and he walked him right into the fire. He was right. The 16 kids that followed him that day survived. The four who didn't died. Because no one can outrun a forest fire. You're probably wondering why I, what this has to do with my son. I didn't know what was going on with Craig at the time. We didn't talk like that. Him and his mom did, but I, I don't know. It's always harder for us. I wasn't there for him when he needed me. I wasn't there to walk him through the fire. Instead, he tried to outrun it, except no one can outrun depression. But, uh, boy, he did his best. And that's all I could have asked of him. Thank you. Paul? You there? Sorry, we're closed. Paul, please. Edwards is open late. Maybe he can help you out. Just... Give me a second, would you? I need your help. Sorry. I only help my friends. Really? Really? No. No, you don't get to be angry at me about this. It's not my fault he didn't call you. He... You want to know what happened? Fine. He called me that morning like he always did on the weekends. He said, hey, Uncle Jim, you want to go fishing? I said, I don't know, kiddo. It's a bit cold out there, eh? First frost is down. Please, I need to get out of the house. I thought about it for a second, then I said, ah, why not? I'll meet you down at Aaron's Point in an hour. Thanks, Uncle Jim. Hey, no worries, kiddo. And don't forget to bring your long johns, because you can't borrow mine. He laughed. <laughs> I... I hung up the phone, I got my stuff together, I stopped at Timmy's, grabbed a coffee for me and a hot chocolate for him, like I always did, and then I headed out. When I pulled up, his car was already there. I thought, wow, the kid got here before I did. That's a first. So I grabbed my stuff, and I headed up to where we usually meet. I didn't see him anywhere, so I walked down to the river. Nothing. I called out his name. Nothing. Then I turned around. Somehow, he... Managed to get a belt around one of the tree branches. He was 
I, I grabbed on, onto him and tried holding him up, but it was too late. I knew I had to cut him down, so I did. It was cold, like cold, cold. So I, I took off my coat and I wrapped him up in it. We just sat there, you know, me holding tight, listening to the river. I don't know how long it was before I pulled out my phone and called Kev at the police station. I, I told him what happened, so he drove out. And he followed him with the ambulance, no sirens, no lights. He came over, sat down beside me. He said, Jim, take all the time you need. You let us know when you're ready to let him go. But I promise you, we're going to take good care of him. He promised. So I did. I let him go. You want to know why he didn't call you? He didn't want you to be the one who found him. He was trying to protect you. Well, at least that's what my counselor tells me. Well, then why call you? I don't know. We're still working that one out. What do you need help with? Oh, uh, yeah, it's Lucille. She ran off into the woods and hasn't come back. Why would she do that? Well, she's been watching this little fox. It's been hanging around the house lately. Liz and her got into a fight. Liz tried to shoot the fox and then she broke the egg. The egg. Yeah, apparently the fox gave her the egg. and So she took it as a sign the fox was Craig. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, uh, she thinks the fox in our backyard is Craig. Of course she does. But now she's run off looking for him. Into the woods. And it's getting late, and we're starting to worry about her. Are you sure she's just not over at Barb's or something? No, Lizette's been on the phone all evening. No one's seen her. Well, she doesn't want me finding her. Well, you know the backwoods better than anyone else. I figured if we both went out there looking, it wouldn't be long before one of us found her. Fine, I'll do it. Great. On one condition. If she gets angry because I'm out there, that's on you. Fair enough. Is Liz okay with this? Oh, yeah. What the, she's the one who suggested it. It's good to see you're still bad at lying. Let me get my coat. Oh, hey. I, um... <clears throat> I appreciate what you said. Yeah, just grab about... your coat. Right. <clears throat> And when the sun returned the next morning, life continued as it always had, and stories continued as they always do. For you see, the fox did not understand that our stories are not just ours to tell. Other people tell them too, because our stories live in the people around us. And when we lose our way, when we feel like we can't remember our own story anymore, and that it might be coming to an end, that everything is going to be okay. Because when we can't tell our own story, the people in our lives tell our story for us. Even when it remains hidden from our ears, when we think it has gone away and it will not come back again, I assure you, it will. For you see, that is the true magic of stories. Your story lives in me, and my story lives in you. 
so little fox. Remember this. Your story remains safe in the most secret of all secret places, in the utmost cherished and delicate parts of the hearts of the ones you love. I promise you that. And when you need it, when the light is dim and the path is long, they will be there for you to guide you home. I guarantee it. Because you are loved. You don't have to hide back there. Sorry. I wasn't sure if you wanted to see me. Hello. Hi. He hasn't moved since I got here. I'm sorry, Lou. It looks like he might have been hit by a car. I mean, the Trans Canada's just... Anyway, he's gone. I didn't want to leave him out here on his own. No, of course not. He looks so peaceful lying there. Part of me was hoping he'd jump up and run away. Would you like me to leave? Would you go if I said yes? Probably not. Then by all means. People are worried about you, Lou. I know. Will you let me take you home? I wish he had left us a note. Me too. He had a lunch packed and his little chest set with him. Why would he bring those things if he was going to... I don't know. I should have seen it coming. No one did. But I'm his mother. I should have seen it. He was good at hiding it from us. I didn't kiss him when I left for work that morning. I was in a hurry and I forgot. We were both in a rush. Sometimes I wonder if I had said goodbye to him. You can't think like that. But I do... I have this old message he left on my phone. I play it over and over again because I'm afraid I'll forget what his voice sounds like. I keep thinking he's going to walk into the shop like he used to. Sometimes I hear him calling for me, or worse, I go to ask him to do something and I have to remind myself that he's gone. It's, it's like my heart doesn't speak to my head anymore. The temperature's starting to drop. I'm not leaving him out here on his own. What would you like to do? I don't know. Actually, there is one thing. What? Would you sit with me for a bit? Of course. If you're cold, I could build us a fire. No, I'm good. If you want, I can carry him back to the house tonight. And we can give him a, a proper burial in the morning. Maybe. Oh, we can bring him back here in the morning. Hmm? Do it somewhere around here. I don't want to think about it right now. Right. Hey, what if I was to make us one of those, uh... There is no way to fix this, so please stop trying. Sorry. Don't be... I know what you're trying to do. I appreciate it. I do. But please just sit with me. 
Sure. It's never going to get better, is it? No. But it will get easier. <laughs> Do you remember the book we used to read in before bed? The Petit Renard? The Little Fox. I wore that damn thing out. I had to put duct tape down the spine just to keep it together. He was our little fox, wasn't he? Yes. Yes, he was. And now he's gone. No. He's here. I can feel him. I can't. I wish I could, but I can't. Well, you have to trust me when I say that he is. Once there was a fox. What are you doing? Once there was a fox. Lou, please. <sighs> Who lived in the forest. You do remember. Of course I do. Read the damn thing to him at least a thousand times. And he had a magical gift for storytelling. Can we not do this? Please. He was so good at telling stories that animals would come from all around and from far away just to hear them being told. And the fox would spend all of his days making up story after story and telling them to anyone who would listen. But one day, as sometimes happens, things changed. Hey, Mom, I'm just heading off to work now. Sorry I lost track of time, so I had to leave my dishes, but I'll wash them when I get home. I promise. Anywho, Mike and I are going to try and catch a movie after work, so don't worry about me for dinner. Oh, and Dad wants some tacos tonight, so I took some ground beef out of the freezer. And yes, I put it on the plate. I'll see you tonight, after the show. I love you. Bye-bye. That was the conclusion of This Is How We Got Here by Keith Barker. It featured Tamara Podemski, Sheldon Elter, Michaela Washbourne, and Christopher Bowman, with Joshua Orjek as the voice of Craig. Keith Barker directed the original theatrical production. This Is How We Got Here was first produced by Theatre Continuum and New Harlem Productions as part of Summerworks Performance Festival at Factory Theatre in 2016. This episode's sound design and edit are by Chris Tolley. We'll be back next week with an interview with the award-winning playwright and artistic director of Native Earth Performing Arts, Keith Barker. In the meantime, you can listen to some other plays on Play Me by Indigenous playwrights, including Huff by Cliff Cardinal and Sir John A., Acts of a Gentrified Ojibwe Rebellion by Drew Hayden Taylor. Thanks for listening. Play Me is produced by Laura Mullen and Chris Tolley in partnership with CBC Podcasts. We'd love to know what you think about Play Me. You can email us at playme at cbc.ca. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Theatre or Instagram at PlayMePodcast. And if you haven't already, please consider rating and reviewing us. It helps us get our podcast out to more listeners. 
Special thanks to our CBC producers, Fabiola Melendez-Carletti, Cecil Fernandez, and Tanya Springer. The executive producer of CBC Podcasts is Arif Narani. The senior director of audio innovation is Leslie Merklinger. Play Me is funded by the Canada Council for the Arts and the Ontario Arts Council. Play Me is an Expect Theatre production in partnership with CBC Podcasts. For more information about our plays, please visit playmepodcast.com. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.